Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Podcast, starring Dags and Johnny Rage. The Amish Baby Machine Podcast is a powerful American pop culture podcast, but we do not have Johnny Rage here today. We have a powerful guest, and that guest is the one, the only, Uncle Dude. Well, hello. Thanks for having me back. You've done a little something with the bar, and it's a little different. Yes, we moved down the country road to a new location. This was a two-day barn raising. It's awful nice. It's probably the nicest Amish uh, radio podcast studio I've ever been in in my life. Thank you for enjoying this wonderful barn. It's it's very tranquil. It's my uh, fortress of solitude. And I, I love that you have the Jesse Ventura action figure as the Centurion. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you look across this powerful oaken desk, this desk was created with reclaimed wood from Mr. Belvedere's house. God, that was a great show, wasn't it? Mr. Belvedere. Can't say that I ever saw it. You never saw Mr. Belvedere? I never saw it. It was in that weird window between when I was sort of uh, coming out of my teenage years and my young 20s, and I thought I didn't need to watch any of that anymore. You know what's cool about all those shows? They all had servants, man servants, and... I mean, just think about it. You had Mr. Belvedere. You had... uh, Robert Robert Guillaume. Mr. uh, Benson. Benson, Mr. French. I mean, I you know who who's your favorite servant? Oh, I I, I I think Benson. Benson had to be right. I mean, he was flippant and smart aleck and smarter than in the room. That's that's my kind of my kind of servant. Yeah, there was uh, it started. What was that show with uh, Soap? Maud? Maud had Maud's uh, housekeeper was Florida oh, Evans. Oh, right, Flo- right, Florida which Evans, spun yeah. off into the powerful Good Times. Good Times, and then. On the Jeffersons, their young lady that cleaned the house, what was her name? Oh, uh, Marla geez. Gibbs. Right, Marla and Gibbs that went on to 221. 227. 227. Yes. Powerful numbers, powerful shows. She was snarky as hell, too. So she didn't put up with a, with a lot either. She cracked wise. That was, that was no, that, see, I forgot about her. That was excellent. Excellent get. Dang. Yes, this is a powerful American pop culture podcast where we go off on powerful tangents uncle dude tell the kids you know i know the the original ogs the original flockers know about you but if someone's new to this powerful podcast let them know about you well i got uh, a couple things that, that pique my curiosity one of which is uh is cooking so i'm sort of the food dude for the uh, flock of amish i come in and i'll, I'll tell you what's uh, current and happening in the food world uh, i'm what your grandmother calls a good eater if you look at me so you're very girthy. Uh, well, it's, I'm bigger than Big Mott. So another callback to an older Amish baby machine Yes, contributor. Big Mott. So the other thing, uh, I host pop culture, uh, pop culture uh, pub quizzes a couple nights a week in our local area. 
So I uh, got my finger on the pulse of what's going on for that. I get to write all the questions, which makes that a lot of fun. I get to kind of uh, work my brain on a couple different ways. All right. I thought it'd be fun to take a look at the uh, foods that were coming to you in 2017. Sounds it's wonderful. Food, uh, food mores and, cha- and tastes change year to year. So to get ahead of the curve, to get, uh, get in touch with what everybody else is going to be eating later in the year, here's your heads up. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I found in a lot of the sites is a, a Southeast Asian fruit called jackfruit most of us aren't familiar with. It's a 20-inch bulbous fruit uh, that's that's got latex in the heart of it. You don't want to eat the latex, but the fruit can be treated like chicken or pork in barbecue. So uh, jackfruit as a protein source in barbecue is coming your way in 2017. That reminds me of Jackal. Remember the Energizer? Oi, Jacko! Oh my God! That Energizer. Goes back. I do Oi. remember. See, they in this cool. They had a character that advertised the Energizer. It was originally uh, what was his name? Was it knock? You know, knock it off my shoulder. What's Robert his? Conrad. That was Energizer, right? Or was that? Dur- well, so there was dirt. The the two big competitors were Duracell and Energizer, and they went back and forth. Right. The copper top. So the so they had the Energizer had Jacko, and you go, Oi, Energizer. Because back then in Australia, everything was cool Australian. Right, because Crocodile Dundee was the Everything was everybody wonderful. Had, everybody had to get their Aussie Outback man. So Jacko, I think he was an old uh, soccer player, and he had this character to advertise the Energizer Bunny. And he he had a TV show, too, The the Highwayman. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Yes, yeah. just now. And that was kind of a play on the, on the Road you Warrior. Why are hosting pub quizzes three nights a week? I should. You but, would be very good. But it, what's cool is that Jacko, the Energizer dude, he was like, I think he, the, he was a little too rough, too raw. They, they wanted a little more sensitive kind of thing. So they went with, they made fun of the Duracell had this bunny, the little bunny that kept going on and on. And then the Energizer had the, remember the super bunny? Right. But so, who outlasted all of them? Yeah, the Energizer, Energizer bunny's still going. Oi! Oi is gone. He's oi to here. Now back to your powerful jackfruit. Yeah, jackfruit. Wow, it's just it's a it's it's a staple in Indonesia, and it's it's a really giant piece of fruit. Uh, some people cook the seeds, but what where you're going to be seeing it is in some iteration of barbecue. So look for jackfruit to start hitting your uh, your uh, open fire, open pit restaurants. I don't know that you're going to be seeing it in your mainstream grocery stores. It's a really awkward fruit to break down and uh, get the edible parts out of. Now, let me ask you this. Have you fired up the jackfruit? I I was afraid that that question was going to come up when I brought it up because, to be honest, I have not. uh, There's a market by us that's the biggest uh, Asian grocery store between the coasts, and they have it. And I meant to try it before coming on, but I haven't tried it yet. So jackfruit, I will uh, maybe I'll, I'll update on the uh, on the web page after I do the jackfruit. Maybe that'll be the first installment. You, you want me to start writing some stuff. Maybe the first po- uh, first post will be about jackfruit. Will it get you jacked? Well, uh, supposedly there's some toxins in it if you're not careful. And any toxin can give you a little hi. How are you? So be careful. Other trend uh, you're going to be seeing for your home, restaurants have been doing this forever. It's called sous vide cooking. It's where you take whatever it is you're going to cook, you're going to put it in a sealed plastic bag, and it basically goes into a hot tub and holds at whatever temperature you're looking for. 
And uh, everything I was reading was saying that's how we're going to be cooking our steaks now, which that seems a little crazy to me. It seems like a cheater's way out. Plus, you don't get that nice char on it. So they're saying you're going to sous vide your steak to get it to the temperature you want, and then you're going to finish it in a pan to get the little crust on it. Oh, so you'd sear it then. Okay. You just Yeah, seal it in. But that's assuming everybody's going to have their steaks done the same way. Now, I, your posh backyard, uh, I can't imagine when you have a, a party with 30 or 40 or 80 of your closest friends back there, they're all going to want their steaks done the same way. So there's still an art to grilling that I'm not ready to give up on yet. You know, you wonder, do you reach, I don't know if you could hear throughout this entire podcast, but the Amish wolfhound is going nuts in the barn. I don't know if he's spotted a deer or a, a jackal or something out in the farm, but he's a going fisher. nuts. There's a fisher. fishers. You're right by yes. the river here. Yes, pine martins. A pine and, martin and a fisher. Very yeah, wolverine. Good, they're all part of the weasel family. And they're vicious as hell. You don't want to be cornered by a fisher taking the garbage But the out. Amish wolfhound would defeat all. Well, it is a very large dog. Now, back to barbecue. Now, yeah. Like I was saying before I was really interrupted by the Amish wolfhound, is that do you reach a point where the cooking is too perfect and you take the mystery out of it? Like, lack of a better uh, analogy, it's like fishing. I enjoy the fish in the pond. But you add you add the camera to it, so you see the fish, you add the attraction. Pretty soon, you know, you take away the mystery. And I wonder if cooking, if you could, every if every time you cooked, everything was perfect, every flavor was perfect, all the time, consistent, kind of like McDonald's food, would you lose some of the art well, that, of that, the cooking? That's the greater point I was going for, is, is you can get all this technology, but you're not going to be able to get everything to fit. Without going too deep into it, uh, your animals' diets change throughout the year. Sometimes it's grass-fed, sometimes it's pellets, sometimes it just depends on the course of the year. Then their feed source changes, so their muscular tissue changes, so what we're eating changes, and those have to be accommodated in the cooking. And you can't nuance a sous-vide machine to take care of those things. So, yes, if you, if you want sort of a generic, uh, oh, this is good, but a really great steak, you got to know what you're doing. You got to get your crust on there. You got to get on the grill. You got to make fire. Yeah, that's wonderful. Just, you know, change it up. That's a lot of times like when I cook something and it, it, it's horrible, I blame it on that. On, on the yeah. seasonal change I, I of the diet I, of the animals? On my diet, I mean. My White Castle diet. Oh, that's... Uh, I, I was asked if I would do White Castle stuffing this past Thanksgiving. I, ju- I can't pull the trigger on it. That's the reason Johnny Rage is not here, because he has serious poopy pants, I think, from all those White Castles he enjoys. Now you have me wondering if there's a White Castle between the barn and T.D. Harry's where I hang my hat so I can maybe sneak a little something on the way home. Yeah, Johnny Rage mentioned uh, the last couple episodes about the powerful breakfast sandwich they have. I highly recommend it. Oh, I didn't know. Yes, it's very uh very back to basics and wonderful sandwich. Now going back to your food. Yeah, another thing to be on the lookout for. Now you're pretty much a meat and potatoes guy. So you may not be uh fond of this uh this next protein trend, but apparently octopus is going to be creeping into menus uh, uh states wide. So I don't speaking of Thanksgiving every year, I try to do a little something for my nieces and my nephews. That's outside the box. It's a little, uh, I'm not going to eat it. You eat it. You eat it. This uh, two years ago, I, I did a smoked octopus. Kids ate it. Fine. Goat meatballs. Fine. Grasshoppers with grasshoppers. Fine. 
So, but octopus is apparently hitting your plates uh, in the in the coming year. The other thing, uh, empanadas. Now let's go back to octopus. Oh, back to octopus. Now, does this taste like calamari squid? Um, if it's cooked right, it's going to be texturally very th- similar. But I think it tends to take flavor a little better. Calamari to me just is kind of a bland sort of sweet meat. Uh, it doesn't really doesn't really take out much. It can flavor. get rubbery if you don't well, cook it properly. Both of them can get really rubbery. It's you either have to cook it really fast or if you, you let it cook for a really long time. There's just a danger zone between cooking it really fast and not cooking it long enough, and it's just almost unedible. But that I, I do enjoy, and I have cooked that. Octopus, plenty good. Not just for sushi anymore. You're going to find it in salads and uh, toppers on burgers, and it can be really good. The ink is delicious, I heard. No, it, it is delicious. The black pasta you see, that's all squid ink. So octopus squid ink gets you your black pastas. Empanadas, though, Dags, that's, that's my sweet spot. Uh, think of it as a Latin American hot pocket. That's going to be hitting your play. That's going to be a lot of appetizers because it's going to allow your creative chefs to do all kinds of weird, strange things stuffed into a delicious pastry shell. If you can stuff it, we'll cook it. That's pretty much, pretty much. I've I've got some friends of mine uh, from El Salvador that uh, there's versions of called popusa. It's the same thing though. It's an empanada. It's a hot pocket. It's a it's a calzone. That's your people. A calzone. It's just a little folded piece of dough with something delicious inside, and then either fried or baked. So look for empanadas slash pupusas to hit your menu soon. Now, uh, thinking outside of the box, outside of the empanada, what would you put in there to make it different? What are some just off the top of your head? What are you thinking that instead of the you know traditional meat or I'm I'm going to go back to Thanksgiving again. So uh, you could put an entire Thanksgiving meal inside an empanada. Now let's talk about before if someone is an, an OG from the show, what appetizer? Well, I, I did a uh, I did a, a Thanksgiving dinner egg roll, where I layered every element of a, of a Thanksgiving dinner inside of an egg roll. We didn't have a lot of leftovers that year, so I'm like, what am I going to do with all this? So what I did is I put it all inside of an egg roll. I fried it up. I took the cranberry relish and made that into a dipping sauce. And I I didn't think it was going to be great. Oh, was I wrong? Outstanding. The ultimate unification of pop culture and comedy. The Amish Baby Machine Podcast. Powerful segue to talk about this show. The best way to listen to this show is to subscribe on iTunes. Check us out on iTunes. Please subscribe and please leave a five-star review. A five-star review. It's the yes, it's the ultimate review for the ultimate podcast. Don't cost nothing. It doesn't. It's completely free. We have a funny back guarantee on this show. A funny back guarantee. That's worth five stars right there. Yep. So go to iTunes. Please check us out. Please subscribe. Also, we're on available on Stitcher Radio, which is an app that's available on all your devices. I also want you to follow us on Instagram, Amish Baby Machine at Instagram. I will put up a powerful picture I just took of oh. the man across this oaken desk, Uncle Dude. He'll be up there. Also, make sure you check out our website, AmishBabyMachine.com, our Facebook page. Please like us. We're literally everywhere on the internet. Do you find it's too much? Is it eating up all of your day to maintain all of that social media presence? I mean, I've got the two Twitter feeds and the Facebook, and I can barely barely keep that up. The fans demand it. 
Is that it? Yes. And if you want, the, the probably the best way to talk to us almost in real time and literally probably is real time is Twitter. Yeah. You're very good on the Twitter. Follow us at Twitter, on Twitter. <laughs> it's at Amish B Machine. Amish, the letter B Machine, all one word. Amish yeah. B Machine. You just get the Amish B and it'll auto populate. There's not a lot of Amish B uh, fill in the blanks on, on the Twitter yet. Now, while we're doing this shameful plugging, Uncle Dude, what do you have to plug? Super simple, right? Uh, if, you, if you're interested in the food aspect of all that is me, uh, twitter.com slash Uncle Dude Food. Just that simple, Uncle Dude Food. Uh, if you're interested in the uh, memes, the pop culture, the stuff like that, uh, twitter.com slash Your Uncle Dude. Uh, Facebook.com slash Uncle Dude. That's, uh, that's going to be more driven towards locally and the uh, pub shows that I host and the pub quizzes. So. And you like to do the words, too. So I do do the words. So I make up a new a new word every Tuesday. I call it Neologism Tuesday. But it dawned on me like three weeks ago that it's Snicklets is all I'm doing. So uh, apologize to uh, to Rich Hall because I've sort of taken over his Snicklets. But he's a powerful '80s comedian. He is. Well, you know what he's doing now? He's over in England and he's playing a, a caricature. Uh, he says it's his cousin, and it's like uh, bluegrass music. Yeah, I remember that. I saw that. Yeah, and he's wildly successful over there, and he's given up the Sniglets, so yeah, I've sort of Rich taken Hall. the Sniglet mantle. One of his words was uh, cinemuck. <laughs> oh. It's the sticky stuff on the floor of a movie theater, cinemuck. Oh, no. Well, he, he made uh, good bucks off a couple books of the Sniglets. So he was, on the, he was like on the Today Show all the time with them, uh, Tonight Show. So if you're missing Sniglets, uh, go to your uh, twitter.com slash your uncle dude and somewhere around Tuesday, I don't always get them on Tuesdays, the, sometimes you're just, uh, you're, you're, you get an inspiration in and you just don't want to forget it, so they may go up Friday or Wednesday. Now Rich Hall reminds me of all the powerful stand-up in the 80s. Oh, what, isn't, that, isn't that just a lost era? You know, I was lucky enough to get to see a couple of those dudes, you know, and before some of them passed away. And what, what, when you think of stand-up comedy, who who are your go-to people? Well, I see. I'm a little older than you, so I had like the uh, Richard Pryor albums, the George Carlin albums, the Robert Klein albums. I, I did see the movie live. It was live on the Sunset Strip. Yep, yep. yep. Richard Pryor yep. live on the Sunset Strip. So that was sort of my entry, and then I got a little older, and then it was National Lampoon. Uh, and then I started, uh, going older school than that. So Red Fox, but the eighties were really the sweet spot for all the amazing comedians. And we just lost one. Kevin Meany was fantastic. He was one of my favorite comedians, but, uh, who else? I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Rich Hall was a cool one that not a lot of people remember unless you're into comedy. Dennis Miller. He wasn't always a political, uh, uh, opinionist he was a powerful, brilliant stand powerful hair to powerful mullet yeah. oh yeah oh yeah well yeah pretty much anybody that sat in that anchor seat on uh saturday night Live's weekend update norm mcdonald did stand up for a while and was brilliant elaine boozler oh elaine boozler i still follow her on the uh, on the facebook yeah i mentioned uh i think i tweeted out to her that i miss her 80s hair so it's not that much different, but she was she was initially going to be a dancer in Las Vegas. So she's like eleven feet tall and gams galore, and really clever and funny. Now she's, who's who's the other stand up lady that wore the suit? She kind of reminded Paula me, Poundstone. Yes, Paula Poundstone. She reminded me of a 
female Jay Leno. She had the same delivery, you well, know, the kind of clenched jaw. Well, and, and they're they're friendly. So yeah, I think she retired retired quote unquote to Maine. There was some issues with uh, with her personal life and her adopted kids, and that's all been sorted out. But she kind of fell away from the spotlight for a while. But she's back, so she's starting to tour. And uh, Chris Rock just announced an arena tour. Chris Rock. Yeah. So. I got to see uh, Sam Kinison before he passed away. Wonderful. Oh, I would have loved to have seen Sam Kinison. So yeah, there's, there's great stand up. His war I can't remember the off the top of my head his the the warm up guy he had. It was fantastic opening act. Well, if you want to find uh, the gold on the YouTube, uh, there's a Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedians special from I want to say 1987. It's it's like Louis Anderson, Bob Saget. Bob Saget, not as nice as you think from Full House. He, he was very blue. Oh, yeah. Filthy, filthy stand-up. Uh, Sam Kinison was on there, too. And it's just, it's just everybody that was on that special went out and made a ton of money. Stephen Wright is coming to our area. I just saw posted this week in the newspaper. Stephen Wright's sort of a thinking man's comedian. A lot of clever wordplay. Yeah, who's, uh, speaking of passing away, who's the comedian that passed away, uh, he was from uh, Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. And Mitch Hedberg was got a lot of his, you know, you could tell he's inspired by. Rick Dukeman, another one that passed Rick, away. Yes, great. He was, great. he was a kind of a bit actor, and he always had great one-liners. So, But he had really good stand-up. And he, he invented a, a skateboard surf company, and he's from Canada, which is funny in and of itself. Canada is incredible, all the great talent. Comedians that, that find their way down here. Or the music rush. Oh, you uh, see, you epic. got a soft spot for, for yeah, the Rush. Yeah, you see how I brought it around back to I Rush? Did. I the did. The most powerful power trio. I kicked myself for waiting for the Arrows tour to have seen them for the Snake first and Arrows, time. Yep. Snake and Arrows was the first time I'd ever seen them live. Wow. And it blew my mind. It was fantastic. No, you're right. That that is That was a great tour. Well, I'm always, you know, it's the big debate, right? It's Stuart Copeland or Neil Peart. Which one's the better drummer? So the thing with drumming though, it's so subjective and, it, and styles are so different. And like, for me, it's, it, it's part of it. It's the, the entertainment, the show they put on and the music they create. Like you could have some, uh, some kid over overseas that could hit every note, but he just doesn't have the flavor, the character to it. You know, like a, a, drum, a drummer, like Gene Krupa, there was other better Old drummers, school. but his hair is flying. He's doom, 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 yeah, hitting yeah. the Tom. He's putting on a whole show. Or uh, Keith Moon. Oh, Mooney was nuts. You know, uh, a lot of people say, oh, he wasn't that kind of a drummer. But but he put on, he, he had cool, you know, weird beats and, and put on a show. You know, obviously John Bonham is probably arguably the best yeah. rock and roll drummer. I have an issue with the Buddy, Buddy Rich. But I, I personally enjoy every drummer, whatever they do. I had tickets to see Frank Sinatra and Buddy Rich was supposed to open. And then Sinatra got sick and canceled the concert. And it's like it's like the show that got away. I would have loved to have seen that show. but uh, it, And then he died shortly thereafter. So I guess he was really sick. But uh, he robbed me of my chance to see Buddy Rich. And then Buddy Rich passed shortly after that. Were you lucky enough to get to see the police play, Stuart Copeland? Uh, I did see the police uh, initially in their big swing through. And then on their reunion, We Just Want Your Money tour. And he was equally awesome at both. So I saw the Who too, but not with Keith Moon. So 
I, I did a lot of concerts back in, in our, our youth, our mutual youth. It was sort of the golden age of concerts. Sort of right before the comedians hit in the 80s, there was all these giant arena. Well, you're the arena rock guy. So I uh, I saw a lot of concerts in uh, my junior high and high school. Well, years. it was so amazing that we like we got spoiled. Like True. The, the summer would come up and, and just think of all these bands. Oh, I saw Queen twice with Freddie Mercury, and, and there's kids all over it now. They're like, really? Yeah, it's like even better than Adam Lambert. I have the game on vinyl. Oh, nice. Nice. Ooh, that guy, the dude from Queen, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, powerful bass lines. I mean, think about his... You know, like Ice Ice Baby, that's you know, that's where Vino Ice ripped right. off his is that bass line. No, he says it's a little different right yeah, at the yeah. end. Da, 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 da. It yeah. goes up at the Under end. Under pressure. But no. that dude, oh, Queen. Uh who else did you get into the Van Halen? Oh. Oh, five times in the eighties I saw them. Outstanding each and every time. It didn't matter who was singing. So that So was... out of all the Van Halens, who was your favorite lead singer? Uh, that's really hard to say. I think Sammy was better for the band because he was such a good player also. But David Lee Roth is clearly the showman of the two. So uh, there, there was a Van Halen concert was the reason I quit uh, some recreational habits of mine because I over-recreated. So there's a the gap actually synced perfectly transitioning from David Lee Roth to Sammy Hagar. So I would say I'm... I'm Maybe closer to the Sammy Hagar version of Van Halen, only because I had made some better choices from there on in. And that literally was the touchstone that was the cause of it. So I, I have an attachment to that Van Halen, but I love them both. I liked uh, Sammy Hagar's uh, solo stuff in the 70s. Right. He had some great stuff. Well, I, I attended college at the University of North Dakota in Grand Forks. Uh, not a big tour spot. So the only two things that came through the entire year I was up there before I retreated screaming for home uh, was Sammy Hagar and Hart played. That was a good show. Hart, what a great band. Yeah. And uh, Pee Wee Herman is the other act that came through ah! town. So, and, and, the, and Lou Gallup from Gallup Pole. So I guess I saw three shows while I was in Grand Forks. Not a lot of guys with earrings and pink eyes odds running around Grand Forks in the early 80s. Now, anyone that listens to this show knows that I'm trapped, obsessed with the 80s. Yeah, which is good because it's the greatest decade ever. Oh, think about it. But isn't that cool that who's touring is going to be Asia and Journey? Right. That's, that's As soon as I heard about that, I, I messaged uh, the long-suffering, never-patient Mrs. Uncle Dude because she is a, a huge soft spot for Asia. So it's like, we're going. I want Steve Perry to tour with Journey. Um, I've heard rumblings on some of the, uh, the websites that I've been following that it's not going to be, uh, the whole tour thing, but, uh, an encore thing at some of the stops. Well, he was just, uh, in our local area for the, uh, Lake Wobegon deal. He, he jumped in at the end of that once. So he's, he's kind of, uh, getting the rust off the pipes. But yeah. The, the new kid from, uh, the Philippines is amazing. No, that that to me is kind of an example, though. You can have someone that can literally hit every note, but you still miss the show. You still miss the powerful hair. Well, the... it, it's because it's hearkening back to that safe, wonderful part of our growing oh, up. Oh, absolutely. Where the we nostalgia. didn't have any actual real responsibilities, regardless of what we thought, but it's it was all fun. Did you have the Journey Slurpee Rock Cup? 
I didn't. I wasn't a huge Journey fan back then. I've come. No, to- but here's the thing about Journey, and it, it sounds kind of funny, but back then that was kind of a ladies' band. The ladies right, like Journey, exactly. But it's so weird now that you crave so much of that nostalgia that you think back like you see journey oh journey right that but was, back then you didn't really listen to journey it was a slow skate song so i couldn't stay up on the roller skates so i i hated the roller rink but it was fine if i booked bands in there for battle of the bands but you wouldn't catch me on the skates but yeah journey's journey was sort of a uh, a girl's a girl's band kiss was more uh back at least dating myself uh, i mean i didn't actually date myself but giving me a time frame Kiss was the big deal uh, when I was roller rink age. Were you into Pink Floyd at all? Oh, yeah. You know, well, like I said, I had some bad recreational habits, so that kind of went hand in hand. You know, it's so funny now that now the time we're living in, like the wall, building the wall, and I think of Pink Floyd the wall. And the reason that Pink Floyd the wall, he wanted to build a wall around the audience because he, there were some people like harassing him in the uh, waters, Roger Waters. But it's so funny, the time we live in, the wall, building the wall, 80s music. I, like I talk about, I go on and on on all our episodes about how it's like we're reliving the 80s now, like the doomsday clock. Did right. you see the article about that? I did see it, and I question the, the validity of their moving it up. I don't know that we're any less safe than we were the last eight years. What is it, the... The League of Atomic Scientists, or what's it that, called? I, I think that that sounds like it's in the right zip code. It's it's a bunch of guys that are very self-important. It and, sounds like a cool DC like group. The, it sounds the like League nerds, of the Atomic Scientists. It sounds like nerds getting revenge on the rest of us for their horrible experiences at school. Watch, we'll scare the shit out of them. We'll move the clock forward. So the premise is that midnight is, that's it's, it? It's nuclear winter. Yeah, it's all going down. See, my idea, you know, nuclear winter was that we'd have the war and it would kick up so much dirt that it would plunge the entire planet into nuclear winter. The temperatures would drop. Right. It, well, it, well, my idea was nuclear spring break where it would get warmer like two weeks out of the year, usually around oh. February, and I could just kind of hang out. I think you need to run that by the International League of Atomic Clock Watching Scientists and see if we can work that into the forecast. I, I never did spring break. I always worked during spring break. I, I had a full-time job from about a junior, a junior year of high school on. So I was a pizza cook back in the day. It was one of the greatest jobs I ever had. But I mean, you got like, uh, like this, like this '80s kick that we're always on here. Uh, deal with it. Like, like U uh, two is coming out with the Joshua Tree. They're gonna uh, right, the tour with that. The anniversary of the Joshua Tree tour. Right. It's it's almost as like it was really cool then, but now we're so much older, wiser, and we're gonna make it even better, guys. Come on. And it's like no, just leave that there. Leave it in the long passages in my long forgotten diary. But you know, it's like you don't want to talk about politics. Everyone's so sick of it on Facebook and everything. Do you have people on Facebook that you leave and just listen to them rant, or do you uh, unfollow them or block them? Uh, Well, dude, this is easily the worst. Social media has given everybody too much of a forum. Uh, Yeah, talk about make America hate again. Good God. I tried really hard not to get involved in the back and forth for the last eight months because of the election, just because it was so much crazy. You can't argue with these people. 
they have no foundation in reality and they can't substantiate anything they uh anything they were arguing so yeah i ended up blocking a, a lot of people just because i didn't want it populating my news feed every day now let me ask you this did you unfollow them or did you literally block them i stayed friends but i unfollowed their their feed just because i just find something better to do good god there's 300 channels of tv binge watch something do you have anyone that you leave there they're just like a hot mess and you want to hear like it's so funny to me like whatever uh president trump does i was like oh here it goes and i go into facebook and you you have these couple of people that are just insanely liberal that so they just go crazy i have and like Aah! i have some twitter people like that because I, I kind of it limits them to the 140 characters so whereas facebook they can go on a diatribe that's you know scrolling for eight minutes so uh, Twitter, I find, is a little better for that. I just wish I had that much time in the day to just go through all of it. Because I keep end up adding people that I follow on Twitter. And, and because of what we do, we get a lot of uh, requests for, for friends. So it's a hard time keeping up with all the social media. So in that respect, uh, the people like that, I tend to keep them on the Twitter. And how do they write so much on Facebook? They write these books. Well, and are they banging it off with their thumbs on the phone? Right, exactly. Or are they it, cut and pasting? It's amazing. Nobody's using a desktop computer anymore. I, I was talking about it with one of the guys I host trivia with, and he's looking at me like, what do you need that for, Grandpa? I mean, you know, he's got six phones going and two tablets, and it's like, I, I, I have really big hands for starters, so it's almost impossible for me to type on these devices. You should run for president. But what's what's funny is, you know, like, yeah, they just the the sheer amount of verbiage, the words they're spitting out. They're spitting out those powerful lyrics. You know what I mean? It's like that's why I always know I could never be crazy because you always have to write a manifesto, right? And I'd just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. No, I, I I'm such a stickler for like I know as soon as I hit post, I'm gonna see the the grammatical error, or I've got such snarky ass friends that they're gonna point it out. So I, I would I couldn't imagine doing. To me it. though, here's the deal with grammar. Not that I want to sit there and speak and re- type and slang all the time, but y- you should if you get your point out, you know you know what I was saying, kind of thing. Like so, if you put your that the famous one, it's your, it's you are right, right. Well, first of all, you know what I'm talking about, so don't get all hung up on that. It's kind of like music too or art. The little mistakes are part of the whole thing. So if you're, whatever you're saying, you get my freaking point. Right. Yes and no, though, because it was acronyms for a while, like WTF and all that, right? LOL. But now it's some sort of weird cryptic emoji hieroglyphics that I'm sorry. I'm just not hip enough to know what this 18 string of characters means well you do, you do need the urban dictionary like to you need a translation just to uh, drop it in there to figure it out yeah no i don't get it i plus i don't get how you can send ten thousand texts a month that's just crazy to me well i tweet a lot so, but it's part of your vocation uh, as as the Part manager, deal. as the manager of the barn of the the giant Amish baby machine social media enterprise, uh, you're you're sort of pinned at the hip to it. That uh, that thing must go off constantly. But it's 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 what I'm thinking too. It's real, man. It's just 
what I'm thinking, it's always um 80s thing. Right. You, always you, just thinking. You got to follow the Amish baby machine because it's incredibly of the moment and topical. I can At al- Amish B machine. I can always tell what he's watching if he's got the TV on uh, based on a, on a tweet that'll come up shortly after a, a key element on the TV. What are you watching on the boob tube? I don't watch a lot of TV. I have it on in the background. I read a really, really, really lot. I don't know what reading is, but so, tell us. What are you reading now? So, well, I got a bunch of uh, uh, websites, uh, news groups, stuff like that that I follow. I'm kind of a, a, po- a political policy wonk. So I, I bounce around foreign newspapers. and. So you wonk it to politics I, often. I, I do wonk uh, politics a lot. Yes. Yeah. So, so what are you into? What, what you brought up this politics, the politics of dancing. Well, that just reminds me, what's your song of the day? That's politics of dancing is a powerful eighties song. So right now, let's, I want you to pick the song of the day. I, I, Charlton Heston by stump just popped into my head. It, It was a, it was a signature video on 120 minutes. It's a very quirky Scottish English art rock jazz band from the 80s that sort of combined new wave and jazz and uh, upper uh, upper academia English education into a giant jumble. Okay, give it to us one more time. So Charlton, Charlton Heston, Heston. Yeah, like the actor. Stump. The former uh, president of the NRA. Pry from my cold, dead hands. Is he here? Yes, that's, that's exactly him. The band is called Stump. It's off the album A Fierce Pancake. Powerful. I, yeah, well, you remember 120 Minutes. I yes. think they tried to bring it back on the reboot of MTV where they tried to put music back on MTV. Yeah, and- but they shortened it. It was only like 60 minutes. Right. And then it was just morally safer. It, it got in the way of morally, 17 and morally pregnant. Or more, morally safer, yeah. So, morally safer was 60 the new minutes. host? Oh, 60 Minutes, I don't know. There's a crossover right there. Steve Croft is the new host of 120 Minutes by Half. Croft. Yeah. Yeah, he he's he's like the heavy hitter on the sixty minutes now. That what was the seventies cartoons? Uh, Croft was Ooh, it the seventies? You know cartoons. the well, you know the live action segment of the Sea Monsters was that? Uh, oh oh, Sid, uh, Sid and Marty Croft. Sid and Marty Croft, right? K R O F T. Powerful. Yeah. K R O F T. Yeah, Croft. Oh, you know, like that wasn't all written for people smoking weed. Puff the Magic Dragon. And- right. Well, that was the worst. H- of the, HR Puffin HR stuff, Puffin stuff yeah. was the worst of the bunch. That was all for stoners. Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Right. Well, Land of the Lost. Lost Saucer. Uh, Dr. Shrinker. Oh, my goodness. He's powerful. a madman with an evil eye, yeah, Dr. Shrinker. I still, uh, yeah, those those were great, those live action shows. Absolutely. The real Ghostbusters. Remember that, Ghostbusters? Right. And then you had the, the double hitter uh, superhero one. Uh, it was Shazam and Isis were back to back. Oh, Isis. That, she was a good-looking... Uh, yeah, yeah, she was. She was easy on the eyes. See, now is. you say Isis, and it's a whole different thing. But back then, it was a powerful fertility goddess, superhero. Right. An Egyptian goddess, uh, not a, a global terror network. See, maybe we need to harken back to the old Shazam. Isis. Shazam. Bring back the old Isis. Shazam. Right, it was an acronym. It was sort of a Superman meets the Flash. It was an acronym. What was it, the, like the... It was this, this, uh, like the uh, wisdom of Solomon and the strength of Hercules. Right, and, right. Zeus was in there. Yeah, that was Zeus the Z and Z, Shazam. Apollo and right. It was it was an acronym of all those uh, Greek gods and Roman gods, and that's where he drew all his their strengths. Oh, 
you see, you're making me all nostalgic. This happens every time I come here. I get all nostalgic for my youth when I was spring stealing tiger meat, just as you were uh, a beefcake beast back in the day. Oh, I still am. So I'm not going to tangle with you. You almost jumped at me when we were talking earlier. I, I, I recoiled in my chair a little bit. Now, as, as I look across this powerful oaken desk, your outfit, it says the Falcons. No, it certainly does not. 1998 mean anything to you? No, it says Patriots. That's what it says. We got a little football game coming up this coming weekend. Uh, I get a lot of grief because I have three football teams that I really, really like. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, number one. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, number two. And my third team is the New England Patriots. So What's funny is two out of those three that people always hate on. That's true. And I asked Johnny Rage about that. What's your theory on when people hate on the winning teams, the Yankees, the Cowboys, America's team, the Patriots? Well, the long-suffering ever patient uh, is from New York. So her nephews uh, being from New York. Tell the, the, the flock of Amish who you're speaking of. That's, that's my lovely bride. So her nephews uh, being in New York and being New Yorkers uh, act like New Yorkers about their sports team. So that's why the rest of the country hates the Yankees is because they have New Yorkers as fans. But I don't get the hate on my Cowboys and, and the Patriots other than their winners. So uh, with the, with the maybe, Cowboys. Maybe people are so sick of winning. Well, the 1972 Super Bowl, 72, 71, Dallas was in it, and I was a very young man. And I went around Grandma's room because Grandma had the color TV, and we were watching the big game, and I bet with everybody in the room, little teeny me, uh, Cowboys win, I'm up seven bucks. Back in those days, there was a neighborhood store on almost every corner in my, uh, my boyhood home of St. Paul. I had $7 to go to Cal Keller's Market. How do you not fall in love with the Cowboys forever then? I was like Trump rich. The Patriots, Tom Brady. I mean, is he the best or what? He is the best. Plus, he's damn good looking. He's married to a gorgeous woman and apparently has perfect kids. So maybe there's a little hate there, a little jealousy uh, masquerading as hate. So that may explain some of that. Uh, some people think Bilicek's a cheater. I just say he does his homework better than the other coaches. Now, let me ask you this on logos, on the Patriots logo. Which logo do you enjoy? I like the one on my hat. Uh, Dags will post the picture later. But I like the old school uh, buff Minuteman in the three-point football stance instead of this sort of stylized 90s uh, Patriot where his hat and uh, trails off. And uh, But I'll take them both. So. Yeah, I, I think they both they both have qualities to them. And eventually that the one on your shirt, the newer one, I mean, that's going to become classic. Right. But the one on your head is pretty epic, too. Right. I, it's it's old school. It's, it just harkens again, harkens back to that different day. I, we moved out east when I was young, and I, I settled up in Massachusetts uh, when I was like 11, 12, which is when all young men start forging those fierce team allegiances. So I'm a Bruins fan and a Red Sox fan and a Patriots fan and a Celtics fan. Then we moved back here because the people are nicer. So I got to keep all my Minnesota teams plus all of my New England teams. So I, winner, winner. Now you got to pick a team out of those three. Football. Oh, dude, for one? Oh, it's Minnesota. It's Vikings. Yeah. So Will the Vikings ever get their shit together uh, in our lifetime? Oh, man. 
you know what? The Cubs won the World Series. There was there was hundred and five year old people hanging on for the, point. for the Cubbies to win. I was in Chicago for games five and six. It was insane. Now Theodore Bridgewater out for the next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Still out. So uh, we're putting off the quarterback controversy for a year. And uh, Adrian Peterson is a big question mark. So Tampa is where he wants to go if he doesn't stay here, which could be interesting. Tampa's kind of getting their stuff together, and they could come out of nowhere next year. Can we get a quarterback, though? That's what I want to do. Throw Uh, all the money at a quarterback. A mature seasoned one? Well, was it you that posted today that in five, I, I did. five years we're going to have Brady back and he's going to win the Super Bowl? I thought that was absolutely brilliant. God prescient. bless you. God bless you. It, was, it, it made perfect sense. I think that was on the Facebook. Was Maybe it on I the Facebook? I, I, too. I just, it, it resonated so heavily when I read it. I'm like, that's genius. Yeah, yeah, that's the deal. I don't know if you guys are, you know, pay attention to the Vikings here. We do in this small little town called the Twin Cities. But they always end up getting some retread. Like, what was the last one was Favre. Yeah. And who else did we have? We had oh my God. Warren Pitt, Moon. Dante Culpepper, Warren Moon. Uh, what was his name? George. Uh, what was his name? Jeff George. Jeff George. Right, right. Absolutely. No, it's, it's or, or much like our, our uh, Minnesota Twins, as soon as they leave here, that's when they win their, their rings. Word. Yeah. So, uh, you had the two kids go to Seattle, got their rings. Uh, uh, why can't I think? But uh, yeah, no, we're just sort of the, the uh, training training camp uh, minor league uh, feeder system for the rest of the leagues. Now that we're talking Super Bowl, it's, uh, let's bring this back into the yes. thing that you know and love, food. Food. Now let's hook us up. What would you, what would be the ultimate Super Bowl feast for you? Well, I try to pick a food item from each of the respective uh, teams. So uh, I think the biggest hit I ever did is uh, I did a, a, a Denver-style buffalo chili was the biggest hit when Denver was in. But uh, that's something you could do every week of the football season. There's a signature food item for every team in the NFL, and that makes it more interesting. Uh, the, the thing that, that's more, uh, more uh, uh, dominant in my family, because football is like church in my family, is uh, we do purple hooter shots whenever the Vikings score a touchdown. So it's a huge rite of passage for kids in our family to graduate to a booze hooter because they'll do a juice hooter. We all have our individual glasses. Well, for Super Bowl, you just needed to get the team colors and you can do shots when the, both teams score. Now, what's in this booze? What are you drinking? What uh, is it? Pearl Hooter. Uh, we do uh, sweet and sour, absolute vodka, and Chambord raspberry liqueur. And uh, mom just keeps a bottle of that mixture in the fridge. And every Sunday, hoot, 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 if the Vikings win. Or if the Vikings get a touchdown, so it's 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 just one more. It was really good uh, when we had Jake Reed and Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Then we ended up playing darts in Mom's living room for three hours before any of us could drive home. You know what food? Uh, going back to the actual, the food like chip and dip. Do you go fancy or do you do the? Uh, we have kind of a rotating pot luck at at Mom's. The offering for church. So it kind of uh, both my sisters are, are pretty good about uh, uh, grabbing uh, hand snack stuff. Uh, the Mary Widow mom is fantastic about uh, heated stuff that goes into mini muffin tins. 
So making uh, prosciutto cups and putting things in them and stuff like that. So it's really it's it's a varied uh, varied feast throughout the season. Now, why don't you hook up the listeners? What are some things that they could put in their meal? You know, their party to make it you know a re- memorable Super Bowl party. What kind of things would you do? You know, put a little spin on it. I would say uh, something like uh, you could do uh, New England clam chowder in a bread bowl would be good. So a, a barbecue thing would be good. Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot, Tags. So. No, I'm just wondering. I mean, like, I enjoy, like, do you enjoy drummies or the chicken wings? or? I like the drummies better than the little two-hinge bone part, but that works out perfect for my bride and I because she likes the little weird double-hinge bone thing, and I like the drummy itself. You know what I don't like, though? I don't like the, the ones without the bone, the boneless. Because to me, it's just no, it's, it's just a ch- it's just a chunk of meat and bread. I mean, you you have to have the bone, and the bone adds flavor to it. You have some of the skin, right? The skin's the decadence. That's the good part. That's the. No, I know a lot of purists don't like a drummy. They don't like that extra little bit of chunk of meat on the bottom of it. But I don't have a problem with it. I just throw that thing in my mouth. What kind of sauce, like the dipping sauce? Do you prefer, I mean, do you like the original old school buffalo or do you like the newer sauces or where are you at on that? I'm a huge chili head, so I like hot. So a, a traditional buffalo sauce that's really amped up the heat is fine with me. But I also like uh, sort of uh, the the, uh, the Southeast Asian heat, like a uh, peanut butter Thai curry with a good dose of peppers in there. So if it's if it's hot, that's that's my wheelhouse for for wings. Now here's the thing with heat on me. Like I was at I was at work at the you know I work at the food court at the mall, yeah. and they, <laughs> yes, we had a potluck do. there, and and someone had a salsa and it was hot, and I ate it and they're like, oh you, you can't handle it. it's too hot. To me, the salsa you taste the flavor and then it finishes with the heat. Like if I dip into a sauce and right away my tongue goes numb. That's too hot to me. I don't care. Right. You could add all the flavor in the world. It's too hot. So to me, a good salsa, a good like uh, wings. It's you eat it. You can have some spice flavor. There, there's a, the, the other thing is too is it bugs me. People always think heat. There's a difference between heat, spice, and flavor. And they just add this heat. You know, you throw in some whatever the hottest pepper is now. The ghost pepper, ghost, the yeah. Carolina Carolina Reaper, whatever uh, Trinidad Scorpion. Yeah, whatever they add. Right, you know, right. people are always cranking up this artificial. It's kind of like weed. Back in the seventies, <laughs> you would have weed. It was just the weed, and it would smell good. Like when I go to you go to a Rush concert, right? And I knew that concert was ready to start whenever you just start smelling the sweet smell of weed. You know, but now they 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 crossbreed and. This weed now, it, it smells like a skunk, so it's not even natural anymore. It's the same with these peppers. They they make these peppers that are originally whatever Schofield units they were, and, and now they cranked them up, they hybrid them and tweaked them to these super peppers that it, it it's stupid to me. I just like, you know, spice, heat, but not the obnoxious, you know, burn your tongue off. All right, I like the burning the obnoxious because uh, you get an endorphin rush out of chili peppers if you if you get enough of the heat. It's like it's like running a marathon. You can get that release, that charge. Much like listening to this podcast, when Absolutely. people listen to this podcast, it releases endorphins and it's and, good for you, people. It is. It's so, very cleansing. Oh, it's purifying. It's it's like it is. It's kind of like. It, purifying like the waters of lake minnetonka it's a spa for your mind yes please tell your friends about this powerful episode this powerful show in general it's we're very medicinal we're pharmaceutical grade right and it's holistic 
Because you wouldn't have chemicals in the Amish uh, pharmacy. You don't need that. All I have is a mortar and pestle. That's all I need to crunch up the boot jalokia peppers that I grow in the back. Oh, plenty good. Like the boot jalokia. That's your ghost pepper, people. What I do with those, uh, if, if the long-suffering every patient and I are having uh, crab or lobster, we've got the butter candles we got for the wedding because uh, for some reason we all put stuff like that on our wedding registries. So we got the butter candles, but I'll put the pepper in the butter on the under of the candle and it, it spreads the heat and the pepperness throughout the butter complete game changer absolutely turns your crab or lobster into something else yeah you do the dairy plus the spice right right so your mouth doesn't know what's going on because dairy generally is used to combat the heat the capsaicin the the powerful element in the uh, peppers powerful so they, it's like they're fighting in your mouth so it's a burst of flavor and then you get that sort of sweet meat of the crab or the lobster oh plenty good my friend plenty good so what else on the super bowl party what else are we adding so we have let's wings and what else would you put in there? Oh man. See, I like I said, I like to cook specific to the teams and I haven't really done haven't started that process for this week. Would you it's... do a bruschetta? Would you do that? Um No. I don't know. I do like I do like open face handhelds like that. So and that's a good uh it's a good uh, palette to put all kinds of different things in because you can put almost anything on a bruschetta. So that's a good start. You know what I don't like are that that weird pickle thing wrapped around the. It's a pick pickle and they wrap no, that and cream cheese and yeah, corned no, beef. Yeah, no, no. Oh, brother, what's wrong with you? It's too mealy. It's too. There's no. I I, I don't like it. It's you gross. You need to up your corned beef game then, because you're not using the right corned beef and your pickle dog. Well, I'm not making the damn thing. I'm just so, eating it. No, it's a pickle dog. They call those. There's actually a booth at our state fair that only sells those. No, that's a delicious, salty, I gotta, sweet deal. My ultimate thing is deviled eggs. So I, uh, for years now, have done deviled quail eggs at Thanksgiving. Because with a regular traditional deviled egg, you get this giant two-bite thing. And you end up with white or yellow yolk all over your Thanksgiving sweater, and it's awkward and crumbly. Quail eggs. I've, is, I've been doing ostrich eggs. Is that all right? <laughs> that's it's sort of you get a pizza cutter and everybody pulls a wedge. I don't know uh, if that would work though. The ratio would be off of the yolk to the egg, because a lot of times when you increase uh, the you, well, you increase the size of some, it's not necessarily better. Like giant Reese's pe uh, Reese's butter peanut butter cups. Right, not as good. No, I, because I, you and I are in absolute agreement there. There's too much peanut butter to the ratio of the chocolate shell. Much like why I don't like cupcakes. Because cupcakes, the fr frosting to cake ratio is off. Right. They get way too carried away trying to make it look like something, you know, shoes or Muppets. or And there's way too much frosting on there. Yes, way too much I frosting. I scrape that all off and I, I just hit the cake. Yes. Deviled eggs. Going back to the powerful deviled eggs. Yeah. H have you smoked them? I have. I did that uh, the last two years. Uh, and uh, after the first year, my mom says, you have to do that again. Yeah, smoked deviled eggs. Have you done anchovies? Uh, on the deviled eggs? Yes. I've, I've done lobster uh, roe, but not uh, anchovies. Have you done micro? No. Micro. Mi micro greens? Little ones? No, I meant micro, the guy from uh, Dirty Jobs. No, I haven't put him on deviled eggs, no. But deviled eggs are fantastic. You know, you should come over in the summer when the, in the, when the farmlands melt and everything. Yes. And we could just do a banquet of deviled eggs which is very tasting menu of deviled eggs yes an inhaling of deviled eggs 
Well, we could do different eggs. So maybe a, a duck egg. I, yeah, I, well, I just want to kind of like, would that be wrong against like PETA? No. No, no, just hear me out. Would it be wrong for me to just like rob eggs from various animals throughout the farm? Or? Well, yeah, I don't know that I'd go foraging uh, in the, in your local area for well, eggs. Because I'm, I'm feeling blue jay eggs. I, so, I, I'm in the mood for blue jay eggs. There's a good holistic co-op by us that uh, can hook us up with some non-standard eggs. So, have you done the duck eggs? I have done duck eggs, but not as a deviled egg. But I do enjoy a good duck egg. I do, enjoy duck. Do duck. they have angel eggs? Because I feel I should make those. I, I, you would, you would think there'd be a companion egg that would be an angel egg. Yeah, because there's a, devil's food and there's so, angel well, food. Well, uh, if we're gonna do the egg, uh, the egg tasting, I will. If, if there isn't one, I will come up with the angel egg. Well, Uncle Dude, did you have a good time today? Did you I, enjoy your stay at the new I barn? I always have fun in the barn. It's too long between ones. I was going back in the archives, which you can do on the Stitcher or on the Apple. You can go back in time. And it's it's been a long time since you had me to the barn. Well, we, we welcome you to the barn. You're always welcome to this powerful barn. Well, guys, did you have a good time listening today? I hope you did. We enjoy these handcrafted podcasts that we create every week guys make sure you tell a friend about this show and until next time you've just enjoyed the amish baby machine podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode of the amish baby machine podcast the amish baby machine podcast is available on itunes and on the stitcher radio app available for iphone ipad android and kindle fire please follow us on twitter at amish b machine and visit our webpage, www.amishbabymachine.com. Thank you for listening. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production, all rights reserved. <laughs>